and welcome to Rich is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast for your wallet. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming a true trailblazer to the podcast, Jonathan Stein. He is the founder and CEO of Betterment. Maybe you've heard of this, Betterment. It was the first robo-advisor to hit the national stage, really set the standard. And in case you haven't heard of this, so robo-advising is simply an online service that provides automated investment portfolios based on your risk tolerance, your goals. All right. Uh, now, Jonathan, you're probably sitting there thinking that that definition is not right. What do you, what do you say uh, robo-advising is and, and why did you start the company? I say we take all the things that a great financial advisor would do for you if you had one and we make them smarter, faster, cheaper, better and accessible to anyone. We do all of it for a very low and transparent fee. And what is that fee? 25 basis points. And I think that makes That's us That's low, folks. It's low. <laughs> I think that makes us really the most customer-centric financial services company out there. So when you guys came out, the prediction was that you'd take over the world and that all these tried-and-true broker-dealers that we had known for so long would go belly up. Everybody would go out of business. In fact, that hasn't happened. What did happen? The entire industry has changed. I think we have set a standard about how to build a financial service around customers, their real goals, their real needs. And the industry is now running to catch up. And so you've seen all the big institutions launch a, uh, a Betterment lookalike, right? Uh, they stole your idea and they came out on their own. That's Vanguard, right. in fact, I think is the biggest right now. Is that right? Vanguard is the biggest asset manager in the world, I think. And, yeah. uh, and so they're, they're moving a lot of customers into more of an advised offering. But none of these firms does everything that Betterment does for our customers. What do you add? What's your secret sauce? So instead of like Vanguard just having just our own funds that we sell, we're able to choose across the entire universe of funds and so get the best ones. So it's not just one company's funds. That's right. Uh, how many funds do you allow people access to? There are uh, literally hundreds, thousands of funds that you can have on the platform. We recommend portfolios that are appropriate for each customer's goals. And that may be different, right? If you're just starting out versus if you're already in retirement, if you really uh, want socially responsible funds, we can create a portfolio for that that's diversified and tax efficient and all those things, but, but socially responsible too. So it depends on our customers' needs and desires and goals. No account minimum still? No account minimum. And we offer more advice for people who want it. Tell, Last, me, tell me how does that work and how much – how smart are these people offering advice? <laughs> well, they're, they're the best. They're CFPs, right? They're, they're licensed Certified financial planners. Yes. Uh, thank you. And they uh, – they're, they're really so passionate about helping our customers and they, they came here from – they came to Betterment from uh, some of the big competitors that we talk about. And they said, I didn't like my job over there. I didn't feel like I was doing the right thing for the customer all the time. I felt like I was selling product and they wanted to be helping people. All right. So the important question here, and I know you know what it is, is how do these people get compensated? Is it – you know, how does it work? So at Betterment, we don't do any kind of uh, uh, product pushing. We never sell uh, a product or get paid for selling certain products. We don't pay our people that way either. Everyone earns a salary, everyone on the staff. Uh, so there's no sales commissions or, or bonuses for, for sales. It's an important point. And I think a lot of people, one of the problems with the industry generally, historically, has been you didn't know 
where your advice was coming from, how these folks were being paid. And some of these problems still exist in this industry. We've been doing some reporting on competitors to you who uh, may have some issues out there. There's but a I- scandal every month. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Um, so I want to – Barron's came out with a ranking this summer mm. of uh, companies in your category – and they gave you a strong score based on services like financial planning, which you just mentioned, the human advice, right? I think a lot of people didn't expect that out of robo-advisors. But they did say, and I want to hear what you have to say about this, that your two-year annualized stock return, and I presume this is on a portfolio that you guys have chosen for folks, uh, that its return was 8.6%. Now, over the last two years, that's not a big number. I think that's uh – First, we were very close in performance. All of these firms were very close in performance. So we're talking about a range of like 8.6 to 9.0 and maybe the bottom was 8.0, right? Because we're Every all – Every quarter point counts, my friend. <laughs> well, we're all in, uh, in, in different globally diversified portfolios. And I think comparing that way is wrong. And actually the, the Barron study adjusted this year. Last year that was a bigger weighting for them. But as they've learned – uh, and as they've adapted to what this industry is really about, they've changed their s- survey methodology. So that was only 30% of the overall score this year. And more highly rated were things, like you said, like customer service, the user experience, the advice and planning, because that's where we really shine and where we're able to create the most value for our customers. Anyone can go out and buy a globally diversified portfolio. There's no magic to that, right? Like, um, And one person's globally diversified portfolio will perform slightly better this year and another's will perform slightly better next year. If you look at the, say, mutual fund rankings year over year, everyone knows that's just a bunch of garbage, right? The the top performing fund ends up at the bottom. The bottom one ends up at the top. Uh, and so that, and there's no uh, consistency year to year. It's the same with these globally diversified portfolios. But where we can consistently add value is in tax optimizing for you and helping you stay on track tax to your Tax loss, goals. harvesting, rebalancing, automatic deposits, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. You know, you've really got to do your homework with this and go look at – uh, each of these companies, but stand back from betterment for a second. Like you know, the the big view here, the industry. What is the advantage of using a robo advisor? I think the way this industry is set up is absolutely crazy. I think that investing came about uh, from wonky people who you know were selling stocks of companies to you know other industry titans in the in the early part of the 20th century right like uh and and we then adapted it in the 70s and 80s to support people's retirement so we introduced the 401k we introduced the ira and we said well everyone should have some investments in in these in these vehicles and everyone should have a piece of of stock but we didn't provide them tools to know how to do it. And it's as though we just made every single drug available to everyone and said, <laughs> you know, have as much as you want, anything you want, but there's no doctors. Good luck. You would never create a healthcare system that but way. But here's the thing. You know, I personally, on a personal level, I want to be invested in the U.S. of A. and the biggest companies and the most successful companies and the emerging companies. I want to be a part of that. I want to share in that. And finding a way to do that where you don't, get ripped off is very hard. <laughs> I agree. And I had a bunch of people coming to me and saying, "What's what should I do with my money? I was advising banks and, and big financial firms on investing their portfolios and I'd earned a CFA and so on. And so people were asking me for advice. And I thought, 
why is this so hard to give great advice? I could say go buy these funds and, and be diversified and rebalance every once in a while. But then actually doing it was such a pain that people wouldn't follow through with it. And the reason is that most of the firms aren't out there, first and foremost, to do best by the customer. They're there to sell a product. They're there to sell their own funds. They're there to sell their insurance policies or their loans or whatever it is that the financial industry has grown up selling. I thought everyone needed an advisor. And that's the difference about this model, Betterment's model, from everything that came before us. We're an advisor and we manage your money for you with your goals in mind, with your preferences. But okay, I want to play devil's advocate with you for here for a second because often this kind of thing is 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 like, you know, one-stop shopping. It's like everybody's solution is the same or similar and what you know about me is really just very little. Um, how do you really get in there and customize? Well, we serve different people in different ways. So for us, Anyone can sign up for the the digital offering and start to create a profile of themselves, aggregate all your external accounts and information if you like. We use all of that information. So your your income, your job, your assets, your spouse's income and assets and all those things to get a full picture of your family. So you know all of my money everywhere. Is that in? If you want us, if you want to give us that information, we'll take all of that into account in building you a retirement plan. If you don't want that, you can still get a great diversified portfolio and manage it more on your own. So the level of advice is really up to the customer and people like it in different ways. Some people want so a, I a human advisor. Choose that. So I kind of choose how much I'm willing to share and and how much information I give you, and uh, that de- that determines like your total worldview on my money life. Exactly, and the more you tell us about yourself, the more personalized advice we can give back based on that information. It's the same as if you went and talked to a human advisor. If you don't tell them anything, if you don't give them any information, they can't very well create a great financial plan for you. Well, that's true. Um, I, I want to ask you what the cutting edge is now. What kind of new tech is coming out in your category? What new your you guys are doing? Because I mean, that's that's what it's all about, right? That's right. We we're constantly innovating. I'm so excited about some of the things we've come out with this year. For one, on the advice front, since we were just talking about that, we came out with advice packages so people can come to us and say, you're uh, just getting ready to buy a home or you're thinking about saving for your kid's college. We have package advice that's a flat fee, $199, $299, depending upon the package, and there's no percentage-based fee. Uh, So it's kind of turning the advice model on its head and saying, just pay us for the service uh, instead of So you're going to give me advice on like how to put together a savings vehicle saving slash investing for college education, best methodology for – is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. Uh, and uh, and just charging a one-time fee for it instead of an ongoing fee for that for that kind of a package. And then uh, we've uh, we launched a product called Smart Saver just, just last month, and it's been so popular with people. Really? Tell me about that. Well, we noted that, uh, that interest rates are going up. Starting to pop, my friend. Right, and more and more people are putting their money in cash. And yet most of the banks haven't responded by increasing the interest rates that they pay you. The national average savings rate is still less than 0.1%. It's 0.08. So why wouldn't they do that? It only seems fair that they would raise rates on my products, that I, the CDs, whatever you're buying. 
What do you? They're not. They're not yet. And this is how banks make money: is they take advantage of customer laziness and inertia, right? Like we've got a lot of that, my friend. <laughs> let me tell you, I've got a lot of laziness and a lot of inertia. So do I, which is why I wanted an investment service, a, a financial partner who would actually do what's right for me. Because the way the the industry has grown up is not there to help you, the consumer. We need a consumer centric well, financial I, service. I, you company. know, I think all of that is slowly changing. I mean, you look at. I think it was. Fidelity was it Fidelity that cut fees on some of their funds to zero, and the question is now: Are they going to start paying you next? I mean, how does this work, right? Let's I think get that's to- great for the industry. By the way, I think that those fees coming down is really fantastic, and we've actually ourselves had some firms lower their their ETF fees for our customers. Uh, because of the competition that we've introduced into the space, right? By setting a standard out there for what customers should get, we're driving fees down across the industry. I wanted just to also come back to the smart saver. So our current rate on that is 1.9%. It's now more than that sounds times. like nothing, but, it, but it's completely different from it's the industry 20 standard. 20 times the average, yeah. yeah. I want to get to, um, and, and this is what really, I've known you for a long time, but you guys put out a survey. You talked to, I think, 2,000 people about their financial attitudes in the wake of the financial crisis. And I was shocked the degree to which people had not recovered mentally. You know, if you had done nothing, which is what I did in the wake of the financial crisis, I didn't move any of my 401k money. I just sat on it um, because I was afraid I'd make a mistake. You know, I was made whole a long time ago, but there are people who are still not investing. Tell me about this. You're right, and you're better off for having stayed the course. That was absolutely the right move. Uh, And of those who just stayed the course, most of them are now made whole, and they feel more made whole, right? Like they've been invested and and they've been doing well. But two-thirds of people are investing less now than they did before the crash. And they feel and they terrible. missed out on the longest bull market in our country's history. I want to read a couple of numbers from your survey because I think it's fascinating. Crisis had a lasting impact on financial behavior. More than one in four people stopped saving for retirement or contributing to their 401k. Stopped. Two in three say they invest less today than they did in 2008, as you just said, John. And 29% of respondents said they are making a concerted effort to save more today than they were in 2008. But they are a minority. Why? I mean, I realize it was painful. And and a lot of people got caught on the threshold of retirement and never recovered, right? But why this broad swath of people who, you know, are are staying away and, and what's the likely impact of that? 80% of people that we surveyed said that they don't understand the reasons for the crash. And I think it's that fear that this could happen again. A similar number said they expect something like this to happen again over the next 10 years. Well, I got to say, something will happen. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, we are in the longest bull market ever. You know, there's an old saying on Wall Street, if you talk to a trader, he'll tell you, he or she, stocks don't grow to the sky. You know, there will be some you know, change some kind of sell-off somewhere. How much, we don't know. But you have that has to be part of your plan. It has to be part of your plan that that's going to happen and it can be okay. And I think there's this fear uh, that, that Americans have that if that crash comes, I won't be properly uh, saved for retirement. I, I'll, I'll lose all this money and it'll never come back. To, to, to 
be a great investor, you have to be able to stay the course through the ups and downs. And I believe everyone needs advice. I believe this is where the advice comes in so that we can get through these times of, of fear, uncertainty, and doubt and get through uh, intact and actually having more money at the end of it than, than, than we did What before. is the fact you tell people when they're expressing these fears? What, what do you come back to them with as somebody who's actually studied this stuff, the performance of the market over time, and you, and you know how it operates? People who stay invested end up doing better than those who market time. And we see that in every study that's ever been done. Our own data shows that customers who change their allocation and try and time the market more on our own site underperform those who just set it and forget it and don't try to to mess around too much. So uh, you can be your own worst enemy when it comes to investing. Again, why it's why people need advice. Things like goals are super valuable for this. So knowing what you're saving for allows you to stay the course throughout the market cycle instead of thinking, okay, I have $100,000 today. Oh, no, I only have $20,000 now. And so and like and, and reacting to those kinds of uh, uh, in the moment That would changes. be scary. From 100000 to 20000 <laughs> would be very scary. And that's not what we had in the financial crisis. The dip was not that big, right? That's right. Um, I want to talk to you about the right now of the market. I mentioned what a strong market we've had. And uh, it's fabulous. I mean, it's just – it's amazing and it's been so great for so many people. But what does your crystal ball tell you about the end of the year, 2019? What do you see coming? I see people moving more money now into cash products. They're taking advantage of those higher interest rates that we're talking about. They're saving some dry powder. Uh, for uh, a potential correction. So there's a broadly held belief that there's going to be a correction in the next year or two. We don't try to time the market, right? We don't say, now go shift all your money out of stocks. I'm still invested. Um, I believe that time in the market is is much more powerful than timing the market. Uh, and you could miss out on a lot of upside if you uh, if you try to time the market. Well, that's like what did we, we we went on for twenty minutes here and and it flew by in a flash. John, so good to see you as always. You're always so much. You know, you're never at a loss for words. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> good to see you. Good to see you too. Hi, I'm Jerry Willis from the Fox Business Network and host of the podcast. Rich is not a four letter word. Today we're talking to Jonathan Stein, the founder and CEO of Betterment. That's an online service that automates investing. Now, some folks out there call Jonathan's business a robo-advisor, but as you are about to find out, his business does much more than that. Here are the takeaways. Betterman automates investing using an online interface that allows investors to make their own choices. This new age brokerage has no account minimums and charges a quarter of a basis point in fees. In other words, if you kept 100 bucks at Betterman, you'd be charged a quarter for the privilege. These days, though, Betterman is doing more than just offering low costs, providing users with financial advice developed for their specific situation from certified financial planners, CFPs. Now, the key to Betterment's business model is that it removes the conflict that was at the heart of many of the broker's businesses. Advisors there were paid commissions for selling product, setting up a situation where commissions could drive advice. Stein says he has solved that problem by putting advisors on salary, freeing them up to recommend whatever makes sense to customers. Stein says that too many Americans are still shy of investing in the wake of the financial crisis 10 years ago. In a survey conducted by Betterment, two-thirds of folks 
two-thirds said they were investing less now than before the crash. In the interim, stocks have embarked on the longest-running bull market in history. And those that have stayed home, well, they've missed out. Follow me on Twitter at Jerry Willis FBN and on Facebook where my handle is Jerry Willis. You can also find me on Instagram at Jerry underscore Willis. Bottom line, I want to hear from you. What money issues do you want to explore? Tell me and we'll get it on the podcast. Have a great day. And remember, rich is not a four-letter word.